You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, welcome to the Oz Network for episode number five of our nine-episode Academy Award Best Picture series that we're officially in the middle of now. Uh, we're halfway through, we got a couple of days to go before the Oscars, and we're here to te- talk about a movie we've mentioned a few times that's... Uh, been out for all a year already and uh i'm very excited to talk about this because it's the first one i think i haven't seen uh going into this so uh, we're here to talk about get out (laughs) you heard me get out um the 2017 what do you call this horror thriller satire comedy a (laughs) little bit of everything directed by peel from key and peel (laughs) um and nominated for Best Picture, among other awards. Um, my name is Colin, and I would have voted for Obama for a third term if I could have. And my name is Ben, and I'm Oz Motherfucking Network. <laughs> I, I just realized now I probably should have said, I'm married to a white woman twice my age. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not true. But... Half your age. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this one's going to be fun because... I think of all the movies nominated for Best Picture, this is the one that had me scratching my head the most before I saw it. Um, and I'm kind of happy to say that after seeing Get Out, which is the only way I think we're allowed to say it from now on, uh, I I really get how th- there's such a craze about this movie. I mean, it's 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 so bizarre. It's so ridiculously uh, over the top and... Uh, I don't even know how to describe this movie. I mean, it's there is no reason this movie should have ever worked and been as good as it is, especially since I don't even think Jordan Peele was taking this movie that seriously. But I absolutely love this movie. I thought it was a blast. I completely agree. Um, this this is just one of those movies. I'm going to call this the Skyfall effect, that you uh, watch Jamie it. Jamie says she loved it, apparently. Well, good on you, Jamie. I'm glad you did, too. Did Casper like it? Um, no. Casper oh. loved it. Good. I'm glad. Um, yeah, I'm going to call it the Skyfall effect and that you walk out of it and you're like, wow, that was good. Like, you're like, yeah, that was, that was good. And like, it sits with you for like a day or two and you're like, I really yeah. like that movie. Like, yeah, I really like that movie. But you, you don't know what you saw at the same time. Like, I've tried to explain this movie to a couple of people. So I'm like, you should watch it. Like, what's it about? And I'm like, um, uh, an African American guy and his white woman go to meet his, her parents and like, well, that sounds boring. <laughs> and I'm like, well, no, you've got to watch it. Like, it's really good. Um, and like, I didn't know a whole lot about it um, either. I saw the honest trailer for it, um, and you know, I'd kind of seen you know all the promo bits with these crying eyes. I'm like, what is that? But um, yeah, I love this movie. I just, I just thought it was just so intriguing. And like, I, I watched this basically sitting in a airport, um, sitting in an airport, and then sitting on a plane. And I was like jumping it like three different times. I said, people like, what's it? What's wrong with him? Like, what? Is he nervous to fly and all this sort of stuff? Um, but yeah, I mean, this just movie just, it blew me away. I really, really enjoyed it. it it's, it's funny because Jamie and I didn't really say anything for the entire movie. And, uh, probably a little over halfway through the movie, she's like, so what do you think of it so far? Like, she's not really giving anything away. I'm like, freaking awesome. <laughs> like, I couldn't even contain myself. I'm like, this movie's so cool. And did you, did you I, say I that, Colin, to interrupt in the middle of Phantom Thread? I bet you did. Uh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what did you think of Phantom Thread? Freaking awesome. Now get out. <laughs> and get me the post on the way out. 
<laughs> but uh, I mean, I almost couldn't contain myself. And then I started to go on and on talking about, you know, this is so good about it. And I love this and this. And then all of a sudden, I said, all right, shut up. The movie's still going on. Be quiet. I'm like, don't ask my opinion next time, woman. But, um, <laughs> but like, it's one of these things I almost had a hard time containing myself because uh, the same thing happened. You know, I wasn't able to finish the movie last night. Um, so I was watching part of it at work today and somebody was sort of commenting. I was just on my lunch and somebody was commenting like, you're, you're so serious. Um, you know, usually when somebody's that serious, then they're up to something. They're up to no good. And I'm like, no, I'm just watching this movie Get Out. And they ask the same question. Like, what's it about? I'm like, it's like a, a, a black guy with a white girlfriend and the town's crazy and the parents are crazy and I don't really know what's going on. They're like, ah, oh, sounds great, you know? But like, that's why I said, like, I, I, I knew what this movie was about and I didn't really get it. And this is kind of, uh, it's going to be weird comparisons, but, um, a couple of years ago, you know, when they first expanded the best picture nominations to 10 or whatever, uh, district nine got nominated for best picture. And that's a movie that you, if you were describe it to somebody, nobody would ever say that sounds like a best picture, you know, contender. And then you watch district nine, you're like, wow, that is such a good movie. And, Probably the only thing I could compare this to as far as like other thrillers go is maybe The Silence of the Lambs or mm. Seven. Mm-hmm. And that they're just, they're typical genre movies. There's nothing particularly special about it. In, in the hands of a different director, it just would have been cheap entertainment. And in the hands of Jordan Peele somehow, you know, this movie, it, it just feels so classy at times. Uh, so, and it's just so, for such a low budget movie, it's so well made and it's just, it's filmed beautifully. And some of the things he does with a camera is just totally different. Like the, I don't want to give too much away, but one of the best moments of this movie is just where a character is just running towards the camera mm-hmm. and you don't even know what's going on. It's just, he, he has this way of making the movie unsettling without being cheap jump scares. And that's what this would have been in the hands of a different director. So, I mean, it, it, it's it's intelligent. I mean, there, there's so many things. We could probably do an hour-long episode on this movie, I'm convinced. The, and the thing, too, like, with the jump scares, I mean, there are a couple, but they're not obvious ones. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like, again, without being completely spoilerific, but you know what I say when I say this, at the moment with the deer, like, no yeah. way am I expecting that to happen. And I'm like, fuck! That's scared the shit out of me. Um, and yeah, there's just so little subtle moments that you just, there's no way you're expecting. And then on the flip side, I think there are moments in the film where you're expecting something to happen and it doesn't. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I just, like, I've not ever been the biggest horror movie watcher, but like, you know, you can generally tell in, in lots of these movies, oh, something's about to happen. Um, so I thought that was really, really clever. And then it's just also, you know, reading about just what this costs like four and a half million dollars to make. Um, you know, this is his very first film that he's written and directed. Um, and just all like the, the subtext of this film and the different layers and mm. kind of like reading and looking at all the different things on it. And then like just even when you know, like the twist and everything and all that sort of happens and just all the, you know, the foreshadowing, which you just don't get. And then all of a sudden you're like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Like, wow. That's amazing. <laughs> um, just like it's just, it's not one of these ones that's down in your face where you kind of think to yourself, Oh, something's going to happen with that later on. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's just, it's just so layered and so clever. And like, even the thing too, is that, you know, it, the, the, the commentary, I guess, on kind of like racial issues, even that is not like preachy or like anything. Like, yeah. I'm saying this right now as a, as a white guy, 
I'm so sympathetic to African Americans in this film. Like, I, I hate white people after watching this movie, but it's not, it's not done in a way that it's like so in your face, like you are meant yeah. to. Like, it's just done in such a subtle, calm way that it's just, you really, I think, just appreciate that level of it. And as I said, there's so many layers. It's, it's such, such an intelligent and entertaining movie. And, and also the acting performances too. I'm sure we're going to talk about that separately, but just everything about this just, just works. And, you know, what you mentioned about some, I guess, the racial subtext in this that uh, it doesn't make you feel uncomfortable. I mean, hmm. just doing a little bit of research and reading up on it, Jordan Peele was very conscious that he he wanted this movie to be accessible to anybody, no matter w- what your race was. So although the movie you know may resonate a certain way uh, with a black audience differently from what a white audience, he, he was conscious that he didn't want white people sitting in the theater to feel like they were being villainized. Mm-hmm. And, and the movie's not really about that. I think that's part of what works about it is that it, it is a satire. So it's kind of like, you know, it, existing in this Twilight Zone universe where everything's kind of not quite real, not quite normal, and you know it's exaggerated almost for comedic purposes at times. And when you look at, like, what the opening weekend audiences were, I mean, it was basically split down the middle, white and black. So he really found a way to make this movie work. And as you said, you know, you can be sympathetic because you get where he's going with this. With some of the little things he does in this movie, like an early scene with the police officer pulling them over, you get what Peel's doing with this. But then he goes in this direction that's so over the top and so ridiculous that you just lose yourself. And you're like, it's just kind of a fun story. And you don't feel like you're being preached at. Which is... um. I think the the smartest thing about this movie because we've seen a lot of movies and here's a movie very uh, unusual uh, comparison but the movie Volcano you know, both of I have <laughs> both you and I have said we're big fans of Volcano but that movie gets preachy about racial issues where it's just annoying you know yeah, yeah. Um, and with this it's not because it's it's almost presented in like a comic more than anything it's not coming out and saying you know these are all the hardships and everything it, it's it's saying. Let's draw your attention to little things that maybe some white people do. The, the, the white people who are the easy-to-deal-with ones, who aren't necessarily racist, but they may have some prejudice, like little things, you know, like just feeling the need to mention to the first black guy you see, you know, I voted for Obama. Yeah. Little things like that that would make, you know, people feel uncomfortable that aren't necessarily racist. It's the first movie I've seen that's really done that without it being an all-out joke. And it does kind of make you think when you're watching this. I'm like, how many times have you really heard somebody or seen somebody do that? Yeah, and that's that's so fascinating because like, there's a Tiger Woods reference and things like that. And it's <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I mean, we're all guilty of that. And it's, it's not just to, to African-Americans. You know, I'm sure y- y- there's stuff for every race out there and not just races, nationalities. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, oh, you're Canadian. Oh, I love ice hockey. Like, you know, I mean, yeah, exactly. I know I that's not the, that. Yeah. yeah, I know it's not the same, like, you know, for a racial, racial thing, but it's still like, that's just generally what people do. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah, it's, it's just the way that that's done. And like, I mean, I honestly felt more, uh, I guess uncomfortable and I don't want to say uncomfortable because that's not the right thing to say, you know, as a white person, you know, I'm not meant to like, that's the point. Like mm-hmm. it's meant to make me feel uncomfortable because you know, of, of the issues and everything. But like, I felt more of that preachiness and kind of stuff like that in, in Black Panther than, you know, yeah. kind of with this. Um, so, and I just think it's, it's done in a way that like, you know, just all the layers and everything that I'm sure it's not completely meant to be educating this for white people to be like, Hey, this is what you guys do. 
you know, it makes us feel mm. uncomfortable. Um, but if, if that's the case, then I honestly feel more educated seeing some of these things than I have in any other film. And I know it shouldn't be up to a movie to educate me on these things. Um, but, um, yeah, it just, it's just done in a way that you're like, yeah, okay. Well, I won't say things like that anymore because it would yeah. make people feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And you know, it's not, it wasn't like the main objective that Jordan Peele yeah. had that he, um, you know, wanted to preach to an audience, but it also, I think that he did make this in a way where he wanted it to be, you know, open where a Canadian could watch this and be like, you know, I've I've had Americans be like, oh, you know, do you ride a dog sled to work? I'm like, yes, <laughs> we ride dog sleds. We all live in igloos. Um, we drink maple syrup for breakfast. And, yeah, you know, Wayne Gretzky is, you know, uh, everybody's dad or something. You know? <laughs> and I'm sure Australians, you know, you'll get everybody saying like, oh, did a dingo ever eat your beans? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's something that that everybody can relate to and the, the fact that this movie didn't get preachy, you can watch these scenes and and also that that it is a satire. It's not coming out and being preachy and being like we need everybody to understand this is the message we're trying to send. He did this in a way where no matter who you are, you can watch this and think of an instance where you've been uncomfortable because somebody has just made an assumption you know, uh, for for whatever reason, you know, oh, oh, you're from Canada. Do you know Bill from Vancouver? I'm like, yeah, we only live three <laughs> days apart by car. Um, everybody knows Bill from Vancouver. Uh, but that's what works so well with this movie is that everybody can identify, even though the movie isn't necessarily about everything. And the other thing, you know, uh, things that you don't necessarily pick up on right away, but then when you get closer to the end of the movie, you really uh, start to piece together. And I don't want to get into too much because of spoilers, but you know, little things about, uh, I, I guess, the the attention that may be on one group of people if they go missing versus another group of people if they go missing. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's big here in Canada right now. You know, we have, I mean, it's a much more multicultural country, but we also have similar issues. And, and with here, it's the, the indigenous population, like Native people, who go missing, and there's, like, no media attention. That's, like, a huge story right now. So, I mean, I could see a lot of Canadians watching this and just seeing parallels, even if it's a completely different race. But at no point does this movie really bang you over the head with, this is about racial tensions, this is about, you know, racial treatment, because it does go so over the top in the second half of this movie and really exists in this Twilight Zone Stepford Wives world where it just becomes fun entertainment. And I think that's where I enjoyed it the most, is where I just checked off thinking, this is what this movie's about. And I'm like, this movie is absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And similar to what you're saying about Canada, like, you know, we have things like that in Australia with our Indigenous people as well. So, yeah, it's mm-hmm. relatable on so many levels. But um, it's just, I really like a film where, like, a lot of the dialogue takes control and it, it's very subtle and just the way it does that. And it's kind of... It makes you really just glue to it. Like, as you were saying before, like, you're so serious watching this film because like, you are. You're just, like, paying attention to this so much. And, you know, I mean, yeah, the second half kind of takes a turn, like, you know, the way sort of with the action and everything there. But even then, it's just it's just done in a way that it's it's hard to explain, isn't it, without giving spoilers. It's just it's just so cleverly yeah. done. Um, and the thing, too, like, with the ending, like, I'm expecting the ending to go a completely different way, and it doesn't. And I know I realise there is mm-hmm. an alternate ending where I think what happened happened that i thought was going to happen um which i don't know if you've seen um but i i mean much appreciated this ending more so than the the alternate ending but um yeah i mean it's just i yeah i'm I'm with you with everything you're saying i I legitimately just can't 
really say anything bad about this film. <laughs> um, I just kind of want to watch it again right now. Um, and yeah, can we just one little connection? I'm sure you probably noticed it. Uh, is Bradley Whitford like in every single one of these? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> he's been at least two of the best picture nominees now. I mean, uh, am I expecting him to pop up in, uh, you know, uh, any of these other ones moving forward? Well, I- I'm just thinking this is the year of like West Wing comebacks too, because, um, <laughs> You know, obviously, Alice and Janney and I, Tanya. Mm-hmm, um, true. And um, uh, who's the guy who's um, was uh, was I don't know. Was he on the West Wing? Richard Jenkins was he on the West Wing uh, as well? Pretty sure, he was. Yeah, that name sounds familiar. If I'm going to look at his yeah. face, yeah. So he was in. Yeah, I remember him from one of those shows or something. But uh, you know, he's in The Shape of Water, which we'll talk about soon. Uh, or it might have been a different show he was on. I can't remember, but. It just seems to be a big comeback here for a lot of these actors that, again, nobody really would notice. And he's almost unrecognizable in this movie. I think you recognize him because he has that voice, a distinctive voice and everything. But talk about another crazy, you know, I thought we'd spend this entire time talking just about Daniel Kaluuya. But, mm. uh, you know, obviously some of the supporting performances in here, um, like even Stephen Root, who most people would know uh, either as the boss from News Radio or Milton from Office Space, you know, such a small role, but so quirky and unusual. And this movie is just full of all these little characters that could have easily gone the route where, you know, you have your one lead character and then everybody else is just sort of there. But every actor in this movie just feels like, you know, they're in this weird world and they all have these incredible little quirks and everything. I mean, the guy who plays the brother, I mean, that one scene he has at the dinner table, like, like this guy is nuts. And, uh, every character totally stands out as being completely unique and like, uh, a totally original character where you could follow a movie just with that one character if you wanted to. Just clearly, Richard Jenkins wasn't in the West Wing. Um, I was, who was I think? What was, was the it? show he was in? Uh, Six Feet Under, maybe you were thinking of? Six Feet Under, that's the one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking of, um, Richard, is it Sheaf? Shife? Uh, he was in the West Wing. Oh, yeah. Different he was Richard. the West Wing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's who I was thinking of when you said Richard. Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, Daniel Kalua, 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 thank you. Uh, just absolutely incredible. I mean, oh, oh my yeah. God, just, you know, we thoroughly deserved of the Oscar nomination. I mean, you know, he's just such a shame that he's up against uh, Gary Oldman. Um, huh. So, you know, oh, and Daniel Denzel Washington, Daniel Day Lewis, and Timothy, you know, um, huh. but he's just so darn good. And honestly, like you were talking about, like Denzel Washington, uh, sorry, uh, Daniel Day Lewis, possibly maybe sneaking ahead of um, you know Gary Oldman if it was you know for a final time, all that sort of stuff, like. If all of a sudden they read out Daniel Kluwer's name, uh, as much as I want Gary Oldman to win, I honestly would not be disappointed because, you know, like, yeah. he's so good. Um, so I just think that would be fantastic. But yeah, I mean, uh, I absolutely loved Rod, uh, little Ray Howery, uh, who I can't say I've ever heard of him before, but, um, like, he just was so, f- like, that is just the guy that Creepy. is. Just- creepy but i don't know oh sorry it... no, no no you're talking about the friend right yeah 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 the friend tsa yeah the fucking tsa it's like creepy wait well, hang he's on got... <laughs> there's a fun story i guess about him i just read today um that apparently he's one of the few actors who wasn't invited to the academy awards and jimmy kimmel had him on the show and found this out and basically said i'm hosting the awards you'll be there <laughs> so when we see him there it's gonna be because like, he didn't have 
an invitation and Jimmy Kimmel said, no, this guy deserves to go. He's like the heart of the movie. Well, to me, like, it's not necessarily the same because, I mean, if I'm if I'm comparing this to uh, Julian Dennison in Hunt for the Wilder People, the New Zealand film, which, please, everybody go and watch. It's so good. Uh, the difference is that Julian Dennison, that is basically the star of the film. But uh, the comparisons, I would say, is that, like, literally every single scene they're in, they just steal it so much and they're so funny and you just, you're not expecting it from such an unknown person. Like, you have no idea who this person is and they're just, they're going to be such a star because, you know, Julian Dennison is just hilarious in The Hunt for the Wilder of People and just everything about Little Rel, Rel, Little Rel Howery is just so good. Um, and, but even, like, saying that just the funniness, like, he's just, the, the get, um, the get out, Honest Trailer really describes it well, that he's kind of like a voice of a horror movie in that he's the person, he's your friend watching a horror movie with you saying like, I told you not to go in the building or like, yeah. oh, don't go there. They're doing this. Oh, hell no. She's lying. Like, you know, just mm. like, he's just like that voice of horror movies and everything he says is basically right. So it's just, oh, it's just so good. I love him. But, um, yeah, like Bradley Wilford, like, it's kind of like in the post, like, I'm like, that's surely Bradley, Bradley Whip, because it's just the voice, uh, when you yeah. hear it. Um, and yeah, like Stephen Root, uh, you know, he's in Dodgeball too, come on. Um, <laughs> that's the esteemed one I know. Um, and also I'm just seeing here, he was the voice of Turtle in Dr. Doolittle Million Dollar Mutts. Um, oh, that's soon. what I knew him from. Coming soon to the Oz Network. Um, but yeah, uh, so good. And we haven't really mentioned Alison Williams. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't watch Girls. Isn't that what she's best known for? Um, <laughs> so I'm not, you know, entirely familiar with her, but, uh, even her, she was like, okay, no one in this film is crap. Let's be honest. Like, yeah. they're just so good. So yeah. Yeah. With, with Daniel Kaluuya, the thing that really surprised me is, you know, he got nominated for best actor and, we talked about this um, in one of other, I think it was on the Darkest Hour episode about the competition for Gary Oldman out there and saying he, he might be one of the only ones that could steal it just because there's been so much praise for his performance. But again, I, I didn't really get it until I saw this movie because you think this is just a genre movie. It's like a low budget horror thriller. You know, how could this unknown actor in this small movie really give that big a performance and you figure when you see a movie like this that maybe it is just the style it was made in i think there has been so much praise for jordan peele's script and for his direction that daniel kalua kind of got lost in that but there are just little things he does like there's mannerisms he has in this movie that are so subtle and i'm a much bigger fan of subtle performances than i am just like the big explosive ones you know so uh, you know, a perfect example would be, uh, it's going to be weird to say this, but like, I would rather watch Daniel Day-Lewis in a way doing a performance like Phantom Thread than I would Daniel Day-Lewis doing a performance like Gangs of New York. And I'm not saying that I prefer the movie. I'm, I'm not really a fan of either movie, but um, Gangs of New York was such a big over-the-top performance. And I like the subtleties where actors can really do a lot by doing nothing. And he kind of is in a position, this movie, where he's either biting his tongue and not able to respond to these crazy people around him, or there are moments like the one everybody saw in the trailer, you know, where he's just sort of uh, hypnotized and, you know, paralyzed with fear and just with tears rolling down his cheeks, where there's so little to do, but he has so much emotion in it. And, uh, you know, we just saw him in Black Panther, what I thought was an average role, and I mean, Coming out of this movie, I'm like, I can't wait to see the next thing he stars in. Like, this guy's going to be a massive star. Yeah, and I agree. Like, I get what you're saying with the whole Daniel Day-Lewis thing. Like, that's why I'm a fan of Christoph Waltz. Like, he just, he has a subtlety Mm -hmm. to the way he acts. 
um, and it's just done in such a way that you just appreciate it. And, um, yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, and I think it's just so good. And uh, I'm just seeing here, actually, and now that I read this, I actually remember him incredibly well. As a fan of Johnny English and Johnny English Reborn, he, of course, was Special Agent Tucker, in uh, the second Johnny English, basically uh, Johnny English's sidekick, if you remember the second Johnny English, um, so he's he's got he's done quite a variety of roles here as uh, Daniel yeah. Kalua. But um, oh yeah, like this has got to be you know if he doesn't win an Oscar for this, he'll he'll win an Oscar in the future. I mean, this is just mm-hmm. there's no question about that. I mean, he's just so darn good uh, with how he how he is. So um, and- yeah. It's it's funny because I mentioned like Daniel Lewis and Gangs of New York, and I think that would be the most interesting comparison because Gary Oldman this year is sort of where Daniel Day Lewis was in 2002 for Gangs of New York, where it's like everybody says he has to win it for this, and then Adrian Brody sort of snuck in there as the young guy, the unknown guy, winning the Oscar, and I feel like that's kind of what would happen if Daniel Kaluuya does win this year. It would be the one where you'd be like, I'm kind of okay with it as much as I love Gary Oldman because. Mm. He's just he's a young actor, you know, did something really extraordinary with such a small role. And it, it would be interesting if that does ever happen. But I mean, of the all the awards is nominated for, I don't have them all in front of me here. Uh, what is that like five nominations for? Uh, it has four. Yes, I've got them. If you four want to say them or picture, director, screenplay and actor. Correct. So as far as like the odds of it winning best picture um, based on. The Vegas odds, at least the ones that we're seeing right now, it's currently like in third. Nothing's really touching three billboards or Shape of Water, which are like obviously the, the runaway ones. Um, but we do have obviously the odds we talked about with maybe Daniel Kaluuya winning. I think if there's any of these that is going to win. And we should also mention just Jordan Peele getting nominated for Best Director. Like that, that's huge because that puts this among the legitimate Best Picture nominations, as I said. It, when you have like nine or ten Best Picture nominees – and you only have five for Best Director, you know which the front runners are. But this is one of those. Like, he got a Best Director nomination, and it's very deserved. Um, I think if there's one that it really has a chance of winning, though, it's probably going to be original screenplay. Mm-hmm. And obviously, there's a lot of competition in that category. But most of the competition are movies that are based on dialogue. And I think what often gets lost on screenplay uh, categories is just how brilliant the story has to be in that maybe the dialogue in this isn't as big as like what you know um, is in some of the other movies out there. But the story is so original uh, and the story is so generic. It's original in being generic. Then I, I would love to see this win original screenplay nomination. I think if there's one that has a chance for it, that's probably it. And I mean, we went over this obviously with Lady Bird. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm still yet to see Shape of Water and Three Billboards. Um, I, I think both this and Lady Bird, I mean, I said obviously Lady Bird was kind of on comparison to The Big Sick, but I mean, this absolutely shits all over The Big Sick. Um, so yeah, I think in terms of what you said, like originality, that, uh, this would easily take the cake. I mean, again, ask me this question after I've seen The Shape of Water and Three Billboards, but, uh, to me right now, I, I, I think this deserves it. I mean, I'm not an Academy voter. <laughs> Maybe one day based on this podcast series, who knows? But yeah, um, absolutely agree with that. Um, and it's just, it's just crazy to think that Jordan Peele, uh, <laughs> He's now an Academy Award nominated director. Uh, Good on you. Writer Uh, and director. Writer and director. It's like, um, not really the best comparison, but when, um, oh, Brett from Flight of the Concords won best uh, original song for the Muppets movie. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, like, oh, one of the two Flight of the Concords guys is an Academy Award winner. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, So. 
Yeah, uh, it would be an interesting thing. But, I mean, you know, uh, people go ahead and change their things. Look at Matthew McConaughey. Um, so, you know, um, I'd, I, yeah, I definitely, I, I will be upset if the big sick wins. I didn't hate the big sick, but I just didn't think it was as good as everyone said it was. So that's just my little rant there in best original screenplay. Um, so let's get on with it. And I kind of know where we're both going with this, but no. buy it, rent it, bin it. It's a buy it, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, not, not even a, a doubt in my mind that this is a buy it. And, Here's where uh, I'm interested to see where you're going to go with this. As far as ranking the best pictures, so we're at five of them now out of nine. Uh, previously, I guess we both were completely in uh, agreement that it was kind of Dunkirk, Darkest Hour, um, The Post, and then Lady Bird. So where would you put this among those four? Or I guess in the middle of those four or after them, where would you put it among the five? Um, yeah, I'm honestly going to put this at number one. Uh, um, ah, nice. Like, r- really? Like, I mean... Again, I haven't. I bought all these films. No, no, I rented uh, Lady Bird, but they're all still thoroughly enjoyable films so far. Obviously, that will change tomorrow when we review tomorrow's film. Um, but, <laughs> um, I yeah, I just I don't know. Like out of these ones, that I just think for the way it made me feel, the way it was, like I mean, uh, as much as I love Dunkirk, and there's nothing really wrong with Dunkirk, I just I think I would rather watch this than Dunkirk again, and I just think. Like, Dunkirk's a great film. We went over that everything, you know, it's a, a war film that makes you think differently in that. But, I mean, when have we had a film like this win an Academy Award before? Like, you know, it's, 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 yeah, I don't know. I, I'm going to put this at number one. I, I don't know if you're going to, like, laugh at me for that or are you doing the same thing? No, I, I've thought about this all day and it's kind of moved its way up. Uh, as I started watching it last night until I finished it, I mean, the, the further I got in the movie, the more I moved it up. I still don't think I would put it above Dunkirk. But it's pretty close between these two. I mean, that's how good this movie is. And it really shouldn't be. And like you said, there really has never been a movie like this that's been nominated for Best Picture before. I mean, the closest thing really would be Silence of the Lambs. And even that's completely different because it's not a satire, but just that it was kind of a cheap, you know, serial killer thriller that somehow managed to be really amazing in every Mm -hmm. way. Uh, but I mean, this defies the odds even more because it is a low budget. And even the studio that made this, like Bloomhouse Horror, like they're known for really, really cheap horror movies. And for them to get a best picture nomination, like that's just, I, I still can't wrap my head around it. It's crazy. But, uh, it would be pretty close between these two movies. But like, I never thought I would say I enjoyed Get Out that much that I would legitimately say this is worthy of winning best picture. So, so you're putting this second or first? Second, but very okay. close second. Interesting. So we have our first change overall then. So, uh, just making sure I write these down so I know what I'm doing. Cool. All right. Wow. There you go. Where would Jamie put it? <laughs> I'm pretty sure Jamie would put it number one. I mean, she hasn't seen, um, anything other than Lady Bird at this point. Uh, well, she saw the post as well, but, uh, she has, she thinks she has no interest in Dunkirk. I know I'll show it to her one day and she'll probably enjoy it, but Jamie loved this movie. Like, she really loved it. Uh, enough that she asked me what I thought about it and then told me to abruptly shut up because I was interrupting the movie. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, I, I, I'm pretty sure it, the only movie out of these that I think, you know, Jamie might enjoy more would be The Shape of Water, and that's just, that's her type of movie. Oh, not fair, but also, friend. when we get to that. <laughs> She kept asking me to finish Phantom Thread, and it was a chore. So, which will bring us to the next thing here. Um, now that we finished with Get Out, Phantom Thread is next. We've kind of teased this for a few days now. Um, 
Have you finished the movie yet? Do you want to say? Oh, feels like I've finished it five lifetimes <laughs> in. Um, no, I've, I've literally watched the first, I think, 40 minutes of this at the time of recording. <laughs> and so uh, I did fall asleep in it on the plane. That also was mixed with the fact that I was quite tired and generally my body goes, oh, you're on a plane, go to sleep. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, um, hmm, I'm not looking forward to watching the rest of it, although you did tell me it does pick up. Slightly, and God, like, even the picking up by a millimetre would make this movie more amazing at this time, because, look, I love Daniel Day-Lewis, and I think Daniel Day-Lewis, so far, what I'm watching is great, I'm not taking away from Daniel Day-Lewis, it's just his movies, it's, I'm not gonna say crap, no, fuck it, it's crap so far, so, like, get, get, get going, Phantom Thread. Um, yeah, there are some things that I really liked about this, uh, but it is a hard one to get through, and... I don't know how much that's going to spoil. Listen to our review tomorrow anyways, because it's going to be fun regardless. <laughs> but we'll just say as much praise as this is getting from critics out there, we'll mention the full story tomorrow. But I mentioned to you, we are not the only person this week. Uh, and there's been a much more famous person this week who has openly said they couldn't even get through this movie when uh, watching the screeners so that they could vote for this for best picture. So, there are some high-profile celebrities out there who also found this very tough to get through. But if you can really tough it out, there are some good things about this movie. And it's not even just Daniel Day-Lewis. So uh, stay tuned tomorrow for Phantom Thread. And that's if Ben manages to uh, stay awake for another hour and a half. <laughs> I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> uh, so we're at the end here. What are we? This is the longest review we've had, isn't it? I think so, yeah. It's the first time we've actually pretty much cracked the half-hour mark. So, uh, yeah, this is, this is a good thing, right? Like, uh, unless it was... Usually our long ones are actually... Sometimes we talk about things because they're bad. We're bagging them out a lot more. Yeah. But um, this one's kind of the opposite. We've gone a little bit longer on our half-hour reviews because it's so bloody good. <laughs> yeah, we could definitely go, you know, another hour, I think, on this easily. But uh, we'll even hear from you. Maybe of it, I think, one day. Like, actual, this like, is one we have. I mean, we yeah. say that with a lot of movies, you know, oh, we'll eventually get around to a full recap, and we know we'll never have the time to do it. This is one where it's really screaming for a full recap just so we could talk about all the spoilers and everything. But a uh, few left to go. We got Phantom Thread. We have three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, and we have Call Me By Your Name and The Shape of Water, which will be the only one we talk about spoilers in because I have to talk about spoilers with this with somebody. <laughs> so uh, We'll we'll do that differently. Don't just not tune into the episode. We'll probably warn you before we talk about the spoilers or something. But we're halfway there. Academy Awards this Sunday. Uh, nine Best Picture nominated movies. And we're halfway through them. So uh, stay tuned for the next four days as we wrap this up. I'm excited. Um, I, I'm excited too. <laughs> uh, I'm almost excited to talk about Phantom Thread. That's how excited I am. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Colin, and until next time, get out! And my name is Ben, and consider this situation fucking handled. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.